Hey mate, how you going? Brock Ashby here. In this episode of the Better With Brock podcast, we are going to be diving into under eating and we're going to look at what it is, what leads to getting to a place where we are under eating, the consequences of under eating and also how we can make changes in our life to do our best to prevent it from happening. Without further ado, let's jump into it. First of all, let's define what undereating is. It's chucked around in the fitness industry quite a lot, but if you're new to it, or this is the first time listening to the Better With Brock podcast, let me define it for you. Undereating is simply consuming fewer calories than the body demands to maintain weight. That's pretty self-explanatory. And a question that I've had a few times is, how is undereating different from a calorie deficit? If you don't know what a calorie deficit is, it's what we need to lose weight. It's where we consume for fewer calories, sorry, than we burn. So if we burn 2,500 calories a day, but we only consume 2,000 calories, there's a 500 calorie deficit. And that is how we lose body fat. And how is under eating different from a calorie deficit? And the answer is, well, it's not really that different. If we're under eating, we are creating a calorie deficit. But the way that I would define the difference, if we read in between the lines, under eating is like a constant calorie deficit that just doesn't stop. And it becomes a lifestyle almost. It becomes um, an identity that someone has. I've had a lot of experience training people and there is people that I have trained that have just been on uh, 1200 calories for since they can remember. That's just who they've started to identify as, just someone that eats 1200 calories, where that is a ridiculous amount of calories to live on. It's It can be put into context for a fat loss phase, but uh, like you don't want to be there for very long. And it's the same, uh, I've had uh, some men that I've trained and they're at 1600 calories and they're training almost every day, which is a very, very low amount of calories to try and sustain their everyday life and support their physical activity. And it's just not enough. And that's who, you know, well, this particular person kind of like identified themselves as, as just a person that that ate 1,600 calories and always sought out low-calorie options. And I feel like that's the difference between under-eating and just undergoing a calorie deficit is under-eating is a bit more long-term. It's a bit more permanent. And it begins to, I guess, morph into that person's personality as well. So that's just how I would differ under-eating with a calorie deficit. I feel like people know how to utilize a calorie deficit, but then without them noticing, a calorie deficit, I feel, can turn into under-eating if you're not aware of it. And that leads me to the next question I want to answer is what leads people to to under-eat, to consume fewer calories than their body demands uh, to maintain their weight or eating under their maintenance calories? One would be body dissatisfaction, and that is just not being satisfied with your body, wanting to make a change. Often that is losing weight, so we begin to create a calorie deficit. 
But as I touched on previously, that can just continue to roll into a calorie deficit if we're not aware. So body dissatisfaction can be one, but that body dissatisfaction can also be in real life. You know, if you wake up and you go to the bathroom, you take a leak, you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm just not happy with how I look. Today is the day that I make a change. And that could be a positive example of how body dissatisfaction has motivated someone into change. But it can also be quite negative and it really depends on the person and how they're feeling that day or what their personality is. But it could also be you wake up, you take a leak, you look in the mirror and you go, I hate the way I look. I'm going to starve myself because... Uh, I'm a terrible person like this and I, I, I need to punish myself. That's just a random example, but it could be that. So body dysfunction is just simply being unhappy with your body. That can drive people to make a positive change and it can also kind of send them on a downward spiral. Uh, it just really depends on the trajectory that you choose. Another thing that leads to undereating is a desire to make body composition changes. And that could be, like I said, from body dissatisfaction, but it also could be just from something else. Uh, if you are uh, getting ready to get married, uh, like uh, me and my wife did, we both uh, went under our own sort of body transformation because we wanted to look great for our wedding. Um, we wanted to uh, be our best physically also because <laughs> we were going to go on honeymoon and eat our body weight in main courses uh, in the, at the breakfast buffet. So we wanted to uh, get uh, get ourselves into a good position where we felt great on our on on our um, on our wedding day, uh, but also could make the most of the celebrations around and not be like, oh, sorry, I'm not having uh, a slice of pizza. I'm actually uh, counting calories on my wedding day. We didn't want to do that. Uh, and if you want to do that on your wedding day, that's completely fine. That's just not my idea of a good time. So. Uh, it could just be a desire to make a body composition change. You might want to get uh, to to lose weight for a sport. You might want to, uh, you know, try and motivate family members that you live with to make positive changes and lead by example. Uh, these are just other examples. Um, lack of nutritional knowledge can also lead you there. And I fell for this when I was younger, when I was full of passion, when I was full of drive and motivation to to be a bodybuilder like I saw in the fitness magazines and read on simplyshredded.com and the blog forums. I was just so committed. I would do anything. And what I was doing at the time was cardio sessions and weight sessions on the same day whilst also counting my calories, uh, eating 1500 calories a day and going low carbs. I was just putting everything that I read from the fitness magazines and the blog posts into a blender and just and just and, and and just drinking everything that I that I absorbed. So I was doing everything and everything uh, that I thought was right. You know, some was questionable knowledge, some was okay knowledge, but I I didn't know the context that the information had to be in, and I just did did everything at once. And uh, that lack of nutritional knowledge definitely led me to under eating for a significant amount of time. I was eating fifteen hundred calories for, I can't remember if it was three months or six months, but it was a very long time and I lost, you know, uh, how much was it? I lost 21 kg uh, in a very short amount of time. It was something like six months. And 
um, that lack of nutritional knowledge. I didn't even know what a calorie was, um, but I was tracking 1500 calories and I was just avoiding carbohydrates like the plague and just eating protein and eating fats and eating, uh, man, I remember I had one time I was craving so hard. I was craving to have uh, just a sandwich and I had a sandwich with banana and peanut butter and honey in it and it tasted, wow, it tasted like I had died and gone to heaven. And then the guilt just just came over me and just smashed me. I felt terrible. So what I what did I do? I went out for a run and then I went to the gym and I kind of punished myself through exercise. Um, so as you can see, this is not healthy. Um, but I didn't know any better because I didn't have nutritional knowledge, but I also didn't have training knowledge. So that lack of knowledge can really get you in sticky situations if you're not aware of it. Uh, I was just young and full of passion, like I said, and you know I still made progress. But I also think I did myself some some disservice uh, with my relationship with food, with my uh, energy levels, etc. Um, I mentioned before, uh, sports can get you to uh, to undereat if you uh, want to do a weight cut, or you want to make a certain team that has to be under a certain weight, uh, or you're getting ready for a fight. Let's say you do jujitsu and you're about to compete in the 88 kg category and you're 92. You have to go uh, undergo a calorie deficit to drop body fat. You could stay in that calorie deficit too long, fall in love with looking lean, and just stay there. That's another example. Social media. Social media can lead you to undereating in many ways. You could be following fitness influencers, uh, personal trainers, online personal trainers, and they could be sharing their meals. And maybe they are posting that they eat 1,200 calories a day and they have kale smoothies for breakfast and then they have a green juice for lunch and then they have uh, a naughty snack of a handful of nuts and then they have you know a little portion of salmon with brown rice and bok choy and then they might treat themselves to a little yogurt that's 120 ca- uh, calories for dessert and then they finish on 1200 calories and and it's almost you know seen to you as that is the way forward that's how I l- kind of move towards looking like this fitness influencer you could fall for that so just simply following someone's stories and what people eat from day to day, whether that's even what they eat or not, you could be seeing that as, as okay, that's what they've done. That's also what I have to do if I want to take my body transformation serious. I had Leah Simmons on the podcast. If you haven't watched it or listened to it, check it out. Uh, and she was talking about how when she, when social media first came along and she was getting into fitness, she used to make these perfect little plates of food that were all nutrient dense, that were low in calories, that were high in protein. She'd take photos and 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 take uh, and and create content around this meal, and then she would just slide it in the bin because she wasn't eating those foods. She wasn't actually eating. She was severely under eating. She was starving herself to maintain this image that she thought was healthy, and and you know we could be following that. And trying to eat those meals, uh, you know, not even knowing the dark side uh, of the fitness industry where that probably still happens today. Um, You know, not everything that you see on social media is what it is. But um, yeah, also on social media, there's people with incredible genetics that are just lean year round. Uh, There are also people that are enhanced athletes taking PEDs or performance enhancing drugs and not disclaiming that and you thinking man this 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 guy he looks jacked all year round 
His chest is huge. His biceps are pumping. His body fat's low. He looks like 8% and he's just there. Oh, yeah. So you start thinking that's what that's what's normal or that's what's achievable. I can look like that all year round because this guy does. Um, so, so you, so you try to stay lean all year round and for you to stay lean all year round, you have to stick to a very low calorie deficit diet and stay on these poverty calories. And then you fall into that category of under eating. So social media is, is, is great for many reasons, great for many reasons, but it's also, you know, can be, a place that really damages people in their fitness journey too because there there are some great coaches online and then there are some that uh, have just achieved this amazing physique by hard work and determination and share what has worked for them which may not be the best practice for you. Lack of awareness that it's happening. That is a big one that got me with under eating. I, I, I didn't even know I was under eating. I was just like, it's 1500 calories, all right? I'm, I'm always hungry. I'm always slightly bothered. I'm hangry 24-7, but this is just what it takes to 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 look lean and to drop body fat. Um, I just had no awareness. And this is kind of similar to the point of having lack of nutritional knowledge or training knowledge. What you don't know, you don't know. And what uh, you aren't aware of, you cannot change. So that's why I always push education and I post education. My clients have a ton of educational videos when they sign up to Team Brock Ashby. If you want to, you can just hit the link in my bio on my Instagram or just go to my website. But education is something that is huge. And it's something that I've really grown to love uh, in all aspects of life, not just fitness. Uh, I'm currently reading uh, The 48 Laws of Power at the moment. And even just, just listening and just growing and feeling like you're progressing in some way, shape or form is a great feeling that I that I really like, but having that in the area of fitness can just help you stop wasting time. (laughs) The time wasted can be huge for you in fitness if you aren't aware of what you're doing. So uh, education is a great pillar to kind of stand on. Um, And one thing that we can fall into when we are uh, looking at creating a calorie deficit, and let's say we do fall into under eating is is falling into something that I fell into, which was an eating disorder. I didn't get diagnosed by someone, but after having Sarah Liz King on the podcast and just analyzing it, what my life was like, what the thoughts were running through my head at that time, I definitely had one when I was on this 1500 calorie diet. Um, I was obsessive. I only thought about food. I avoided social social situations where we went out for dinner. I'd make excuses to go home or just simply tell them no to their face because I thought I was more committed than other people. Uh, I thought I was uh, determined to be great and this was what was required to do so. And I'm not afraid of hard work and I thought this was the hard work that had to be done. But really, I think it was an eating disorder covered up uh, with excuses. Uh, and once again, I didn't know at the time but um, yeah, it's, it, it's quite easy to fall into that and just get obsessed with food and counting calories and getting uh, really, really uh, stuck to a certain amount of calories. Um, thinking of foods such as good foods and bad foods, which I definitely had, uh, which is also known as dichotomous thinking uh, or black and white thinking. That's, that's often not how the world works. There are some definites in the world. There are some black and whites, there are some yes and no's, but most things in life uh, 
are not dichotomous. They are nuanced, they are gray, and context has to be there. And uh, the same is with food. Uh, If you look at foods as bad or good, if you eat a bad food, then you might think you're a bad person. Then that's going to make you feel guilty. And then that might lead to a binge eating episode where I found myself a lot too. So you have to be careful with how you look at food. I encourage flexible dieting. I think that it's a great concept. I think that it allows you to have a realistic and holistic way of looking at nutrition. Uh, But I won't go too much into that. Um, I did have uh, a piece from a study that I wanted to read out around eating disorders and under eating. Um, Here we go. Overall, the risk to experience any form of ED or eating disorders was increased in athletes when compared to non-athletic controls, 13.5% to 4.6%. So uh, ultimately what that's saying is athletes are more likely to uh, to get eating disorders. So this is um, around athletes versus non-athletes, but it just does kind of paint a picture uh, in terms of the reality of this happening. Um, and we could also potentially call ourselves athletes uh, if we're consistently training in the gym. I think that would help us fall into this category to 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 relate to the study even more so. Particularly athletes engaging in aesthetic leanness-focused or weight-sensitive sports were at a higher risk to develop disordered eating patterns than athletes from sports where body weight or shape is secondary, e.g. ball sports. This was also shown in a study conducted by Torst Veit et al., which reported a higher prevalence of EDs in female athletes from leanness-focused sports, 46.7%, in comparison to athletes from non Leanness-focused sports, 19.8%. In male athletes, roughly 25% of athletes from aesthetic, leanness-focused, or weight-sensitive sports showed disordered dietary patterns. So that kind of shows a slight bias towards females falling at the mercy uh, of eating disorders uh, a little bit more. But I think the takeaway from this piece from the study, which I'll link in the in the in the description is that if we are focused on how lean we are uh, and we're focused on how we look, our aesthetics, we can be a bit more at risk of, of, of EDs. And we have to be you know, aware that we are kind of playing with fire when we're counting calories, when we're counting macros, when we are you know, uh, tracking our weight uh, weekly, daily, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever rhythm you're falling into, data is great. Especially as a personal trainer, I need that data to make changes for my clients to to enhance their body composition or, or switch goals. All right, we're lean enough. Let's start building. Or all right, we need to pull back the calories. Our body fat's getting a bit too high out of your comfort zone. We need to get a bit lower. Um, I like it as a coach, but but you as an individual, and this is where you have to decide or learn along your journey uh, where uh, you have to kind of decide how far you take it. Are you going to track 
uh, calories every single day or are you just going to track protein? Are you going to count the number of meals that you have instead of tracking calories? Like, Are you just going to say, okay, I'm going to wake up and have uh, four meals instead of five meals today? And let's just track that because when I get too obsessed over calories and macros, I can't stop thinking about it and then I fall into bad habits where I previously had an ED. That might be you. Um, Or some clients of mine, they like to upload their weight monthly or bi-weekly. I prefer it weekly. Personally, I do it daily. But that's because I have a mindset that can uh, pull pull my my worth, uh, my self-esteem away from these numbers and just look at them as data. I think it's because I've almost desensitized myself to it because I'm a coach and I just see people's weight every day. I see photos of people's bodies, you know, every single day. And I'm just like, I'm just like these people. I'm just another body. I'm just another lump of muscle and a lump of fat. I'm just, you know, more, more weight or less weight. I can really look at it like that. I don't think, oh man, I've gained two kg. Uh, I'm 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 less of a person. I'm not worthy, um, you know. And having self doubt everywhere, I don't fall into that. And that doesn't mean I'm superior. That just means that my brain works different, or I've trained myself around it in in some way that I haven't been aware of. Some people really struggle with that, and I empathize with you if that is you. And I want to say to you that you don't have to weigh yourself every day or every week, every month if you don't want to. If you don't even want to weigh yourself at all, that's completely fine. Maybe you can handle taking photos. Maybe you can handle just measuring your waist and you could measure it and go, okay, my waist is 40 today. And then you could measure it in two months and maybe it's 36. So you've lost four centimeters off your waist. That's a very positive result. You haven't tracked too accurately to potentially uh, impact you negatively, uh, but you've still seen a difference. The only reason I like a higher frequency of tracking data around body metrics is because that allows me to make more changes if I need to or, or allows me to track what's going on more accurately. Because if, if one of my clients is uploading weight once a month and we work together for a year, that's 12 pieces of data that I get. If I work for that for another client for a year and, and they upload their photos and their weight every week, that's 52 points of data. So I can make more changes on the fly. If their calories and macros aren't responding, I can change them quickly instead of waiting for three more weeks while their calories and macros haven't turned out like I thought they would have. So that's just why I like to, as a coach, and 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 personally, I can be quite strict on myself because I can handle it. So I, I weigh myself every day. I film myself most days to make content. So I'm very aware of what my body's doing. And I don't mind that. Um, but some people do. What are the consequences of undereating? Well, there is a few. The first one is metabolic adaptation. If you're unaware of that term, what metabolic adaptation is, is your body's response to the amount of calories that you're consuming versus how many you're burning. And that can be positive and that can be negative. For example, if you are constantly in this 
context of the podcast, which is around under eating. If we're constantly under eating or we're in a calorie deficit for so long, our body is going to stop burning the amount of calories that it usually did because it's not receiving the same amount of calories. So if we get practical and start looking at numbers, if your maintenance calories is 2,500 and you're consuming 2,000 every day, you're going to have that calorie deficit of 500 calories and you're going to have that discrepancy there. But if you continue to stay at 2,000 calories, your body's not going to stay burning 2,500 calories every day. It's going to start slow down processes so that the amount of calories that you burn per day become a bit closer to what you're receiving because if we look at it from a historical point of view and an evolutionary perspective, if we were just to continue to burn calories that we didn't have and eat into our body fat, we would die or we would become very weak and fragile where a hungry grizzly bear would just come and lap us up and we would be their breakfast. So it's not in our best interest to continue to burn energy that we don't have. It does happen to a certain point, but then our body starts metabolically adapting to the amount of calories that we're consuming and it starts slowing it down. It starts preserving your energy. It starts slowing down how fast you move. And these influences happen to help you ultimately maintain your body weight because your body wants you to stay the weight that you are. Your body wants to sit at homeostasis. It doesn't want to lose body fat because that body fat is what we're surviving off. And now we, we live in an environment where we have an abundance of food around us. So starving to death, to death, wow. Starving to death for most people uh, is not a realistic uh, outcome of the day. I understand that in certain aspects of the world, uh, food is still very hard to come by. But for most of us, especially listening to this podcast, we probably won't starve to death. And we still need to 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 be aware of how many uh, calories we're consuming versus, versus how much we're burning. Because if we just continue to under eat, our body's going to stop giving us that energy and it's going to start slowing down things. So with metabolic adaptation, that's what leads to a fat loss plateau. If you uh, come back to that example, all right, you're eating 2000 calories, but you're burning 2500, that 2500 slowly going to come down, we're going to start, uh, start, start wanting to move less, potentially train a little bit less intensely, uh, you might uh, use your hands a bit less, you might want to sit down more often. And most of this is subconscious. Um, but it does happen in really, really extreme examples. And I talked about this in the previous podcast, uh, some body building competitive athletes actually, because they were in such an extreme calorie deficit, metabolic adaptation was real. They were blinking slower. Like they were so lethargic, uh, because their body was like, if I just keep blinking as fast as possible, that's energy that I'm wasting. So they were like their body was that desperate to preserve energy. So metabolic adaptation can occur. Um, low energy availability can also happen, LEA. And that represents a state in which the body does not have enough energy left to support all physiological functions needed to maintain optimal health. So it's similar to the definition of under eating, but 
it kind of adds in, you're not getting enough nutrients, calories, micronutrients, all these things, energy to support your physiological functions to maintain optimal health. So low energy availability is kind of like your health is deteriorating. And that's the seriousness of under eating. The, the, mild, the mild seriousness is, okay, your energy is going to be impacted. But then the great consequence is your health is, is, is going to become a concern if you just continue to under eat. And, and, and real serious problems can happen. Um, and when you're in this state of low energy availability, uh, many things can happen. Uh, potentially, females can lose their period, which is or their menstrual cycle, which is you know known as amenorrhea. Um, you have uh, you can have decreased performance. Um, and that's just simply because you're consuming less fuel, right? Less less gas in the gas tank. You're just going to get more tired. Your body's going to be like, well, why would I exert all this energy? Because I'm only getting 1,200 calories a day. I can't train as if I'm eating 2,500 calories today because I just don't have that energy. So it's not going to do that. Uh, potential loss of muscle mass. Uh, it is harder for protein synthesis to occur if you're not uh, consuming enough protein, but also not consuming enough overall calories. So that may uh, that may happen Poor recovery, if you're not having, once again, enough uh, micronutrients, uh, enough enough macronutrients, enough calories overall, it's going to be harder to recover. And then that kind of just keeps snowballing into, okay, so you can't recover enough. That means you can't train hard. Uh, sorry, you can't train as frequently. But then when you, if you're not training as frequently, when you are training, you have less performance because you have less energy. So then that's going to add into losing muscle mass. And then you're going to be more lethargic. You're going to have potential brain fog throughout the day. You can drink as much caffeine as you want, consume as many stimulants as you want, but low energy availability and constant under eating is going to catch you. I tried to run away from it for ages and I ended up crashing and burning. I experienced some of the darkest thoughts and hardest times of my life when I was... (laughs) under eating and that that isn't the only thing that was happening okay i obviously had things going on in my life i was changing careers i had just broken up with the band that i was singing in and trying to organize what i was actually doing with my life so that was a big concern of my life so it was like very big and i was taking my life very seriously i thought i was destined for greatness and i was like what am i even doing with my life now that the band's broken up do i keep trying to sing do i become a fitness fitness guy, a personal trainer? Do I do a course? Do I move back to Christchurch? Because I just moved to Auckland and I I live in this shitty house and there's cockroaches everywhere and I'm like unhappy. So I had this big breakdown, right? But now that I come to think of it, this pivotal time in my life, I was also starving myself. This was when I was at the 1500 calorie mark. I was that guy. I was constantly under eating. I was obsessing over food. I was always hungry. I was training like I was eating one meal a day sometimes. I would not eat all day, train at like 3 or 4 p.m. and then eat after that. So I hadn't, like, it was just a rough time and I, and I, and I think under eating didn't help. And I think another consequence of under eating is lack of aggression. And that isn't like, hey man, you want to fight? Like, no, I'm under eating. I'm not aggressive. 
it's 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 like determination it's ticking off goals it's making something of yourself having aggression if like or ambition could be another word or drive sometimes you meet people and you're like this person wants to go somewhere this person is fulfilled and i feel like when you're under eating you just don't have enough energy to do that and have that drive sometimes you can override it with just pure mental determination I think I sat in that category when I was first in that point. But as I just shared, I did break down at the end of that. And I feel like that's when it got to me. I just didn't have the energy to deal with things physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It was just a bit of a weird time in my life. I, I, I think that under eating didn't help. Now, the, the question to close off this podcast is how do you prevent metabolic uh, adaptation? How do you prevent... Uh, under eating, how do you prevent low energy availability, all of this, all of these things that I have been talking about. The first thing that I'm going to say is get in, get out. That's how we prevent under eating from happening if our goal is fat loss and we only want to have a fat loss phase, not the beginning of an under eating progression in your life or regression if we want to be a bit honest, because it it's not going to be the best for you long term. But also, this can stop you from it kind of rolling over into an eating disorder. Potentially, we need to get in and get out. And I'm referring to the calorie deficit here. And I say this with clients a lot. We're either cutting, we're in a calorie deficit and we're getting lean. Or we're not. All right, and and the more serious we do this fat loss phase, the better it's going to be because it's going to be more effective. But also, you're going to be in a calorie deficit less. You're going to be under eating for a shorter amount of time. That's what we want, right? You want to get back to maintenance calories, or even better, being in a calorie surplus and stuffing your face with food. That's amazing. We need to get in and get out. A calorie deficit should not be a lifestyle. This is what frankly pisses me off about the fitness industry there's a lot of personal trainers that almost idolize the calorie deficit and having low calorie foods all the time and and doing all these swaps and i understand that most of the population is overweight and needs help with fat loss so i do empathize with that and i do understand that there are changes that we need to make as a whole as a general population we are mostly overweight and we need to make changes But I think sometimes it doesn't help that all the personal trainers are just kind of glorifying these low calorie foods and we should all be like striving to lose weight and and kind of live in this calorie deficit. That's not what we need to do. And I definitely don't subscribe to this idea. And that's why I post myself eating three burgers, chicken nuggets and chips, not because it's a cheat meal, bruh but because that's what I like to eat and that's what I eat on a daily basis. And I'm not trying to rub it in that I can have a six-pack and be uh, muscular but still eat burgers. That's not the point. I'm trying to say, hey, man, I eat I eat like a, like a regular dude, but I train hard. Um, I, I implement certain principles that help me win the day, trying to get enough sleep, trying to get enough steps, you know, applying progressive overload in the gym, following a personalized workout program or just a workout program in general training with good form. 
making sure I'm hitting a high-protein diet, making sure I'm hitting my calories every day. These are things that I've put in place to achieve what I am and do, do what I do. But we don't need to live in a calorie deficit. I haven't been in a calorie deficit for a long time. I think the last time I was was uh, in Christmas and that was unintentional. I got gastro. <laughs> I got sick and I lost about, I think I lost around four to five kilos and I, I looked really lean for Christmas, which was great, I guess, but, you know, for the beach pics. But like, other than that, I've been at maintenance and you know what? I feel amazing. I've been at the moment doing well in jujitsu. Uh, if I was dieting, I'd find that very hard to push when I'm getting strangled out by other dudes. Um, my training's great. I've been very strong lately, um, you know, leading up to to today um, and where I'm doing a strength program. I'm pushing some impressive numbers for me uh, and I, I couldn't do that in a calorie deficit. A calorie deficit is just where you, you lose body fat and I just want you to look at that as that. It's not a lifestyle. It's not where we hang out. It's not where we, okay, I was on, uh, you know, 1,200 calories. I'm just going to stay here. No, no, no. You don't stay there. You get to the body fat that you want to and then you maintain your weight or you increase your weight because body composition is cyclical. We go through stages. We lose body fat and then we either maintain or we increase muscle mass, which generally comes with a bit of body fat. We don't just hang out and lose body fat and just keep going, I need to lose, I need to lose more body fat and just do that. I need to lose more body fat and just do that. I need to lose more body fat and just do that. That's how you end up on 1,200 calories for three years with low energy availability and your life's falling to shit. I'm sorry. That sounds really full on. But a lot of people end up there and I don't want you there. How else do you prevent undereating? Set yourself some performance-based goals. Often when we start training, we have aesthetic-based goals. How we look. We want to look a certain way. We want to uh, have a certain amount of abs. You know, we want to see a certain number of striations in our shoulders or our glutes when we tense in the mirror. But as we get more advanced... And even when people start off with me, they get access to a video that I've made called performance-based goals. And it encourages them to set some performance-based goals. Now, what are they? They're goals where we are looking at performing. How much can you bench press? How much can you squat? How long can you plank for? How many push-ups can you do? How high can you box jump? Think of ways that you can set goals that rely on performance, how you apply yourself as opposed to just what you look like. Because if we set performance-based goals, it shifts our mind to, do I have abs? What do I look like? To, what can I do? Am I getting stronger? Is my technique good? And when we think of performance-based goals, it just puts us in, in the right frame of mind to... Become an athlete. I'm not saying that bodybuilders aren't athletes because they are. But bodybuilding is ultimately a sport where you build as much muscle as possible, then you drop as much fat as possible, then you stand on stage with fake tan in a G-string and get judged on how you look. That can have very detrimental mental health impacts for some people. 
what I would recommend for most people that probably would never compete is just focus. Yes, we're always going to have this thing in the back of our mind of what do we look like? I get that. All right. I'm not immune to that. I still care about what I look like. When I see my body fat getting too high, I go, look, Brock, let's, you know, let's chill out on those three burgers tonight. Let's have two. But we need to focus on those performance-based goals because they really help us uh, shift our perspective away from just what we look like. Um, And when we get obsessed with what we look like, often that lends us to trying to get lean and then getting stuck in cyclical under-eating. How do you prevent it? You could also get a coach. I'm not trying to push my services here, although I am an online personal trainer that uh, gives coaching consistent advice to my clients when they may fall into the trap of consistent under eating and may not want to bump up their calories i have to have the hard conversation with hey you came to me on 1200 calories not losing weight here's the solution it's more calories i know that's going to be hard i know you may feel like your weight isn't going down i know you may feel like you're bloated you may feel like your pictures look worse you may feel um like you're not yourself and you may struggle with this mentally and emotionally, but this place of higher calories is going to get you from low energy availability to having enough calories in your body to support your physical activity, activity to support the physiological functions that your body needs to undergo to recover from the physical activity that you're doing. And those are the hard conversations that I've had with so many clients. I've, I'll be honest, I've had more with female clients than male. And I think that ties back into the study that we uh, read out earlier that kind of hinted to the fact that females can be more subject to this. But low calories forever is not the answer to getting lean if you're already not getting lean and you're on low calories. It means that there's a problem that we need to address as opposed to I'm not losing weight on 1,200 calories. I'm going to go to 1,000. Because then when you stop losing weight on 1,000, you go, ha, oh, I'm going to go to 800. That is such a low amount of calories to have for one day. I don't want you to be there. And that's why I encourage you to continue to, to ask yourself, should I keep dropping your calories or should I increase them? Or should I get a coach to help me get out of this because I just keep digging a deeper hole that I can't get out of? We also need to understand what maintenance calories are. I had a, I literally had an email yesterday and today around uh, a client who was like, hey, like I'm getting close to the body fat that I'm at, but I don't want to like, do I have to go to maintenance or to calorie surplus if I want to build muscle? Why can't I just increase my protein and go from there? Uh, number one, that's not how it works, unfortunately. But number two, maintenance is maintenance. It's what the word suggests. We maintain. We don't increase weight. Like if you are going from a calorie deficit to your maintenance calories and you gain weight, I'm sorry, but you've you've gone too far with your calories. And that's often what people do. They increase the amount of calories that they have uh, by too much and they go out of their calorie deficit straight to a surplus and then they start gaining weight and then they put on weight and they go, oh, I don't like this maintenance deal. I'm going to go back to a calorie deficit because I need to get lean again because I just put on body fat from, 
you know, from going to maintenance. But what they actually did was they went to a calorie surplus and they consumed too much. So what I want you to understand is maintenance calories is maintenance. And if you're gaining weight, you're not on your maintenance calories. You're on a calorie surplus. So keep that in mind. That can definitely help you um, in times of, uh, you know, coming, man, this chair is really squeaky. Not a good podcast chair. Anyway, moving forward, check it out. Can you hear that? Anyway, um, understand that maintenance is is maintenance. And if you are gaining weight, you're eating too much. Increase your knowledge. That's how you prevent under eating also. Like I touched on earlier in the podcast, increase your knowledge. Um, under eating, a calorie deficit should only be for a certain time frame for you to get lean. Once you've achieved that body fat, you need to get out. You need to get at minimum get to maintenance and just sit there. Just sit there. Enjoy that extra 200, 300, 400, 500 calories that you have deserved. You've been on this calorie deficit for a while. Just, mate, enjoy that extra that extra sandwich that you can have, that extra bowl of uh, muesli and granola and milk. Mm, enjoy it. Just make the most of it. But increase your knowledge. The more you learn the more you can begin to navigate uh, this fat loss, muscle building, body transformation area, right? I study it every day. Um, so I'm going to be light, light years ahead of, of you know, where you're at potentially if you're not a coach already um, or if you're not into the space of, of, of fitness. And it does take a while. But once you start understanding principles of the calorie deficit, of the calorie surplus, uh, of what true maintenance is, of what your maintenance calories are made up of, your TDEE, your B, you know, it's your BMR, it's your NEAT levels, your EAT levels, your thermic effect of food, all these things. Once you start to understand it, it begins to make more sense and then you can actually make better changes to your life to get the results that you want. So increasing your knowledge can definitely help you prevent that. I want to close this podcast just with a quote because I like quotes. And I feel like they, uh, like every time I hear a good quote, I'm just like, man, that that's a good quote and I like it. Um, and I have a list on my, on my laptop and that also syncs up with my phone of quotes that I read and, and I just like to read them every now and then. Um, here's a great one. Here's a great one. You ready? You need to experience pain to understand what it feels like to be pain-free. And (laughs) it might be quite a somber note to end the podcast on, but I think it's encouraging because we all go through pain and we all have hard points in our life, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in our career, whether that's in our fitness journey when things get hard but it's similar to the quote of there's no good without the bad there's no pain free without the pain you know there's no happiness without sadness and i like this quote because it it helps you realize that when things get tough it's just part of it and you know life isn't about avoiding hard times 
but it's about going through them and conquering them and seeing what you can turn them into. I'm a big fan of that and I think I'm a walking, living uh, example of that. And I hope that that quote helps you. I'm going to wrap up the podcast there. If you do have uh, a spare couple of minutes or even 10 seconds, I'd love it if you could rate the podcast five stars. Uh, I'm not sure if you can leave a comment or not, but um, it, it helps out the podcast. If you're not already subscribed on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel, The Better With Brock Podcast. I moved it over from my fitness channel and I created its own uh, podcast uh, YouTube channel because people that watch YouTube podcasts are different to people that watch my YouTube content. So um, that is uh, that has a very low subscriber amount. So if you could subscribe to the the Better With Brock Podcast YouTube channel, that would be awesome. If you could leave, leave a review, that would be great. If you want... Uh, any topics on the podcast that you want me to talk about, uh, you can email them to me at team at teambrockashby.com. That's team at teambrockashby.com. Or you can comment on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's it from me. If you want any online personal training programs, teambrockashby.com is where you can find them. See ya.